0: Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve.
1: So we are in the series, King and Kingdom, and this is a this is a basically a terrible title for the message. But I I'm not really good at the title things, so you'll just have to give me a bunch of grace. I called this Constant Value, um, and even now when I'm saying it, I'm like, God, man, you need to hire someone to make.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> Mitchell. Mitchell. <laughs>
1: He is way overhired. <laughs> he's got more duties than he's got day. Uh, the uh, There's one specific phrase that you'll get it as we get there that I want to highlight and that I'm going to kind of build some things on. And this is going to create a lot of opportunity for, I believe, everybody in the room. Because I think this is one of the... One of the subtle ways that the enemy steals the opportunity that the Father has already created for all of us to live in through the finished work of the cross. Remember, the devil cannot create, and he has nothing new, so all he has is subtility, the snake, and steal. Which, these are really good truths, because when the enemy comes in and says, I'm going to make you sick. By default, if you understood these things, then you'd, you would understand, uh, you're going to make me sick, which means I am healed and you're a liar.
2: <laughs> he,
1: you could actually take the temptation of the enemy and build your faith. That's why it says in Second Peter chapter 1, it says, let the trying, that the trying of your faith works patience. But our James uh, James says that. But let patience have her perfect work, and then Second Peter uh, chapter one um, talks about adding unto the knowledge of God patience. Patience is is faith over distance. Patience, faith over distance, and it has incredible value. So our core text for King and Kingdom is Luke chapter twelve, and this verse is. Man, I cannot tell you how many times I've stood on this promise, because uh, the things that Kay and I have gone to. I just had the opportunity to pray. Actually, not pray. Declare. I don't do a lot of praying. I do more declaring and proclaiming over someone that was going through some really difficult things a couple uh, a couple nights ago. and, and they were in, you know, some deep distress in the natural. And when they were explaining the scenario, I had flashbacks of, of where Kay and I were at, because there were times that we were so uh, visually, physically devastated that there literally didn't look like a way out. I mean, it was impossible. When we first planted the church, we were about six months in, and I bought a restaurant, and it's a super long story, and I'm not going to go into it, but the numbers on the restaurant that I bought were not equal to what I was told the numbers were going to be. To put that in perspective, the day before I bought the restaurant, they had two customers. Yeah, you heard that right. Two. Uh, for those of you that don't know anything about the restaurant business, two customers? Hard to make a profit on that. <laughs> I didn't know that. They gave, me, uh, they gave me numbers from like three years before that were really good numbers. I didn't know that the numbers were not correct. So I bought the restaurant. So long story short, we're six months into planting a church, and we had, we had the fateful few. All, maybe 18 of them at this point, And they were all broke. <laughs> so they couldn't give nothing. Right, Zach? <laughs> Super broke. Um, and uh, I'm preaching prosperity. The finished work of the cross includes prosperity. For those of you that didn't know that, Jesus finished poverty and lack at the cross, just like He finished sickness, disease, and sin. They were all finished at the same time. So I'm preaching prosperity to a bunch of people that ain't got no money running a restaurant that ain't got no money and there were times that I made 50 bucks for the week at the restaurant because that was what was left anybody that owns a business you know that your payday is whatever's left and there were times I made 50 bucks and I'd have to come home and face my family of four with 50 bucks for the week no offerings at the church and figure out how to pay all the bills while I'm preaching prosperity So for those of you that are in the room that are just like, wow, I tried that and it doesn't work. That's why you're going to continually be destroyed, and Kay and I are now in a great place. Amen. Filled with all your precious faces. This is greater than eighteen in case you haven't counted. <laughs> and we're getting paychecks now. Amen. amen. Which was not the <laughs> Amen. Which was not how it was then. But we did not get weary in well-doing, and now we are reaping, because we would not faint. That's, that's the only thing the enemy has got on you, is if he can just get you to give up. Because if you don't give up, you win. Because you already won. And this is why you see people church hopping and flopping and flip-flopping from this doctrine to this doctrine to this doctrine. Well, I tried that and it didn't work. And I tried that and it didn't work. Yeah, well, congratulations. You are absolutely on the end of the chain of the enemy pulling the nose ring in your bull. He's just pulling you around wherever. Because if you'd ever just stay in and root and plant and really commit and let all of the excuses as to why it doesn't work Let them go away. You will. I promise you. Money back guarantee. I promise you. You will be victorious. I promise you. promise you. But you've got to not be moved by what you see. And there are those folks that have been willing to push through. Over all these years at Beloved Church. Through all the stupid. I made a ton of mistakes. Thank you. (laughs) I made a ton of mistakes. And so did everybody else. But we all grew together. And the Father was faithful. And I can tell you that those. That core group of people that started with us. That have stayed. Stop it. (laughs) That have that have stayed and pushed through all the excuses and reasons,
2: they are blessed. They are blessed.
1: And it's not because I'm the awesome pastor. It's because the promises are true. And it it literally breaks my heart when I see folks come and go, and not just come and go physically, but, just, but come and go even in their, in their hearts. Because I know when someone disconnects, I can feel it in the spirit. Not feel in the emotion. But I can feel it in the spirit when someone has crossed that line where they are just not receiving from me. That I've become an irritant in their life. And I know that they are just moments away. And moments could be months or whatever. But they are moments away from unplugging, resetting the entire board, going somewhere else maybe, and starting the game over. And I know they just lost 10 years. Right. 10 years are gone. And that's what breaks my heart. I don't need folks in here to, to make my ego feel good because the room's filled. I just know what happens when you stay in and you stay connected and you keep plugging and you push against the temptation and you fight against the offense and you push back on all the reasons and the excuses and you just say, I'm going to be faithful to what the Father's called me to do and where He's called me to be. And then it will just start to little by little, little by little, things get a little better, things get a little better, And then you look back over nine years and I can scan the crowd and see the faces and things are just amazing, amazing in our hearts. This verse is one of those times when I, when we're sitting in those desperate places when Kay and I make 50 bucks a week at the restaurant. We got no offerings and we literally have to get groceries. Kay and I have sat at the kitchen table and she has made out a grocery list. And we have sat at the kitchen table and held hands and prayed. Because this is the grocery list and I don't have the money for the gas to get to the store. All of the fathers in the room probably have a little bit of an awareness as to what it feels like to have that kind of emasculation take place. Where you are not even providing for your family. I can't even get my wife to the store, let alone buy the groceries. And we'll pray. And I'll choke back my pride and my tears to stay strong for my wife. And press through all those temptations to quit and give up preaching the prosperity thing because it obviously don't work. Amen. And finally get through the emotions of it. And then there's a knock on the door. Pastor, I was at work. And I have no idea why, but God literally told me to leave work and come over here and hand you this check. I have no idea either. And these verses are what I'd stood on more than once. More than once. That reminded me of my Father and what He wanted to do in my life. And seek not what you shall eat. This is starting in verse 29. And seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. All three of those things I just alluded to in that moment. I would not seek the food. I would not seek the drink. And I had to fight against the doubts in my mind. For all these things do the nations, and the word nations is ethnos, the ethnic groups, Of this natural world. And each of them have a different way of doing it. And however you grew up in whatever ethnic diversity that you grew up, your parents probably taught you. I was just with mom yesterday and we were doing some stuff and I fussed at her and then I had to repent and she's, she's the hardest person in the universe to fuss at because it's like a, it's like fussing at a teddy bear. The most loving creature on earth, and I'm fussing at her. And what I was fussing at her about was uh, about one of the decisions that that we we're trying to make for what her future is. And I was I was trying to convince her that we, this is going to be a- absolutely awesome. You're not going to have to worry about this at all. And she was like, "Well, you know, it doesn't have to be that extravagant. Let's let's calm it down a little bit." And I'm like, "Mom, let it be extravagant." And I know, and she even admitted it. So I, I'm not like pulling her trash out of the can or nothing. But she's like, you know, we I grew up, my parents came through the Great Depression. Like, they're still... And I'm like, isn't that amazing? You're 72 years old. You've never been a part of the Great Depression. Her parents were. She's never been a part of it. Her parents were. Yeah. And yet they're still, in 72 years, and most of those years, 50, 60, almost 60 of those years, she's been with Jesus. And yet still there's these little things that hang on. Are you, are you, are you following this? You, you, sometimes you don't even know how this gets in there or how deep it gets in there. Yeah. Yeah. But just this little tiny bit of poverty. And my mom is is extravagant in nearly everything kingdom. But man, I, I have to like fight her to let me do extravagant things for her. And which but then by default sometimes means that the father kind of has to fight her, like, hey, let me super bless you. Okay, how about regular bless?
2: <laughs>
1: Be it unto you according to your faith. The ethnic groups of this world do this, they have to seek after their provision. They have to accept the doubts to come into their hearts and minds. You have to believe that you are not perfect. And you have no scriptures to stand on for you not being perfect because Jesus perfected you. Well, I know, but I feel like. Well, I know, but I looked in the mirror. I know the Bible says that, but guess what one of the most dangerous things that will ever come off your lips? I know the Bible says that, but what you just said was, I know Jesus said that, but and if you can't believe Jesus, you can't believe nothing. Because nobody's ever been more faithful And more true. This is what the nations, the ethnic groups of the world seek after. The lost folks. People that don't have a father in heaven. There should be a marketable difference between people who have a heavenly father and people who don't. If you do not have a Heavenly Father, then the provision in your life is completely your responsibility. Good luck, sister. It's a big, mean world. If you do have a Heavenly Father, what in the world are you worried about? This should be black and white. This should be black and white. You should be able to tell nearly in any moment and any second based upon interactions with people whether they truly believe they have a Heavenly Heavenly Father or whether they don't. It should be that clear. And your Father knows that you have need of these things. I just ruined about 80% of people's prayer life. (laughs) Because 80% of Christians pray for things that they need to tell the Father about. Because He's totally ignorant <laughs> to what's going on in their life. You can hear people pray. God, I, did you know about the thing that the boss said to me? Oh, you didn't know? Let me recant it. And then you go into a 20-minute dissertation telling God about what happened. To, and you call that prayer. <laughs> and you wonder why there's no power <laughs> in your prayer life. You just prayed the evil words of the wicked person to poor, misinformed God. If he only knew how bad it was in your situation. I know, he'd probably do something like send Jesus to the cross. That's probably what he'd do for you. But rather seek. And I love this language because it means like trade. Trade off. The thought process of you having to be your own provider for the thought process of the Father being your provider. That He actually knows what's going on in your life. And here's the, here's the radical thing for me. It's, been, it's literally been years that I've asked the Father for anything in prayer. I was just talking to Cinderella, I think, the other day about this. About three years ago, I asked the Lord in one prayer, and it was the first prayer in probably three or five years that I even asked the Lord for anything, but I asked Him for a really big thing for three people that I wanted to do for those people in this one prayer about three years ago. And it's funny because uh, one of those things that I was asking for for one of those people is happening right now and it's happening not the way I prayed it. Because I, I was absolutely convinced that the way it was going to happen was this way, and so then I asked the father, like, do it this way, and I'll help you with your kingdom.
2: <laughs>
1: Listen to me, Father, I'll help you sort it. Don't you know that I went to college? <laughs> and failed had to go twice didn't stick the first time I'm still in college (laughs) amen (laughs) trying to get my master's degree for the last four years Um, and so I I was watching how this was playing out in this person's life and it reminded me of that prayer that I prayed three years before and how I was completely pure it it literally had nothing to do with me. I, I don't know the last time I prayed to the Father for me. It's it's probably been 20 years since I've asked Him for anything for me because I know that He knows how to take care of me and I'm not going to get involved with that. But sometimes it's funny how I think that I got it figured out for someone else. Well, let me tell you what.
2: <laughs>
1: let me tell you what Kay needs.
2: I know her. I know
1: exactly what Kay needs. And then I go talk to her. All the girls are laughing
2: because <laughs> they know.
1: It's it's that way with the father. Uh, let me let me help almost everybody in the room. Just stop. Just stop. You don't know what you need, and you don't know what someone else needs for sure. So just stop. Seek the kingdom. Seek the king. Do what he asks you to do. When he asks you to do it. And everything will work out. I know. It sounds way too simple. Well, you just go ahead and complicate it then. Let me know how that works out for you. But rather seek, investigate, pursue the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be. You know what shall be is? That's a promise. Well, it ain't happening for me. Well, if you want me to say that you're right and God's wrong, it's going to be an awkward conversation. So I get really quiet in conversations with people sometimes. And I, hate, I feel like I'm giving away one of my secrets. Maybe I need to stop. And it's not always that way, so that's how I'll do it.
2: <laughs>
1: it's not always that way. Not all the time that I'm in a conversation with you and I'm really, really quiet. It's because I completely disagree. But sometimes. Because right. <laughs> I can't agree with the things that people say. Well, I went to the doctor, and they told me I got this disease, and they told me this, and then, you know, and my insurance don't cover it, so then this is going to destroy my finances, and, the, you know, my kid's a jerk, and, and you know, and the devil hates me, and I'm going to eat a worm and die. <laughs> and they're waiting for me to, like, amen, or okay, or, oh, you poor thing, you or uh, I got nothing. All of that was just blah, blah, blah. And if they ever shut up and they humble their hearts and they want to hear from me, which is kind of funny how many people want to meet with me so they can spend 97% of the time telling me all the stuff and then 3% listening to me. (laughs) Like, just send me a letter if you just wanted to talk. (laughs) Because all all I'm going to do is tell you the scriptures and give you counsel and tell you the truth. Which, believe it or not, actually is really beneficial. And so, if they humble themselves and they submit, then I'll tell them, like, "Hey, if you do it this way, the scriptures say it'll work." The Bible says, and I've actually had people in my office. I'm like, "Well, I don't, I don't want to know what the Bible says. I want to know what you think about it."
2: <laughs> I don't. Trust me. <laughs>
1: you totally do not want to know what Steve thinks. Because Steve, without biblical truth, way back when in the day, yeah, he almost killed himself like 57 times. Ask mom. I, w- I, was, I was on a fast rail to a big wall and Jesus. Fear not, little flock. And how dare the how dare the Father call you a little flock? It actually means intimate. Fear not, beloved. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you freely the kingdom. I have stood on this verse thousands of times thousands of times in places of need like father it is your desire to give me all of the kingdom and I'm struggling for groceries no way no way what is wrong with me if you want to give me the kingdom for sure you want to give me groceries for sure Matthew 6.33, in the Amplified. In the Amplified. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after His kingdom and His rightness, His way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. Best thing you could do for your bills is seek the king in the kingdom. Best thing you could do for your family, seek the king in the kingdom. Best thing you could do for America, put 47 Trump signs in your yard. Get upset at mainstream media. threaten to bomb the whatever. Because there's people that believe that. The best thing you can do for America, seek the king and the kingdom. Best thing you can do for your health, seek the king and the kingdom. Whatever you got. I know, there I go with all this simplicity. So I want to talk specifically about that because it says, seek First, and I got news for you: (laughs) there's really no second place. If you're seeking first the King and the Kingdom, how do you get to seek next? Are you following me on this? This is kind of one of my own personal things because I used to do this. I'm like, all right, you know, eight to nine, seek the Kingdom. Nine to ten, seek the paycheck. 10 to 11, seek lunch. <laughs>
2: 9
1: p.m. to 10 p.m., seek K.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? Like, put it all in your pretty little compartmentalized boxes and open up this box and get that all sorted and got that one. And then open up this box, get that all sorted, and then move on. You're going you're gonna to make God a task. He's on your checklist. He's on your agenda. Well, he's first on my agenda. Oh, well, I'm sure that he feels really flowery in his heart. That he's first on your checklist. Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered right at the top. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables. Let me real quick say something about parables. Parables illustrate doctrine. Parables do not create doctrine. The reason I need to say that is because there's a ton of folks that have doctrines based upon one little statement in one little parable that is completely contrary to the heart and the character and the nature of God and the kingdom. When you're re- the reason that they are very specifically highlighted that they are parables is so that you will know this differentiation. Parables illustrate doctrine. Jesus then also sometimes spoke doctrine. And a lot of times he would start with, verily, verily. When you see Jesus say, verily, verily, likely what's about to come next is true, authentic, powerful doctrine. And then he'll come in later and he'll say, now the kingdom is like. And he'll illustrate the doctrine that he just established. So this parable is illustrating a doctrine. Which is important because a lot of people have taken this particular parable and created doctrine from the parable. (laughs) So I'm going to, I feel like kind of like that's my place in life is to like unweave some of the stuff that other preachers weave job security. (laughs) The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. Like means like. (laughs) It's shocking. When you see the word certain in the scriptures, it usually designates something certain or specific. I know you guys are like I can read. (laughs) But I can't tell you how many times I'm with someone in my office. I'm like, read this. Okay, I read it. You didn't read it. (laughs) Read it again. What does that word mean? Well, I don't know. If you don't know what a word means, please let me help you with understanding your father. If you don't understand the word, stop until you get understanding of the word. For one year, and this is when I was a grown-up, for one year nearly the only verses i read was second peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 11 for nearly one year because those verses are so deep and they are so full and they're so packed with stuff that i couldn't unpack it and i And sometimes I'm shocked because somebody will sit in my office and they'll say, well, you know, I read all of Ephesians yesterday. I'm like, I can't read three verses. And I even know what it says already. And I can't even get three verses before I'm like, when did that get in there? It's not about, James says that you are not blessed by being a hearer of the word. You're blessed by being a doer. There's activity and action to it until you put it in your heart. And those of you that have been in my office, my desk uh, right here is a window. And I read like two or three verses and then I'll stare at the sky. And it's not like I'm waiting for God to write something in the clouds. I just need to like focus on those words. And the best chance I got is a blue sky. And even when people are in my office and we're talking, they might think, like, I'm wandering in my... But I, it's because I'm concentrating on what they're saying. I'm looking at the depth of their words and sometimes not the surface of their words. Hey, guys, let me help you be a better husband. Listen to what your wife is saying, <laughs> not what she's saying. Hey, sons of God which is all the born-again folks in here. Listen to what God is saying. Not what He's saying. Right. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king which made a marriage for his son. Uh, real quick, let me just give you the, the players in the, in the unfolding drama. The son is obviously Jesus. The king is the father. And the bride is you. The church. The church is the bride of Jesus. And all the guys are like, hey, hey. Bride doesn't have anything to do with gender. Just like son. Just like I called everybody in the room son. Which has zero to do with gender. We are so carnal that everything has to do with something carnal. That's why Jesus used a bunch of parables, because folks were so carnal, he just couldn't give the eternal truths. In John 3, he said the same thing. Nicodemus came to him and said, Master, <laughs> explain these things. These are deep things that you're teaching. He said, Nicodemus, which was the number one most, quote-unquote, spiritual person in the entire region. He was the leader of the synagogue. He's number one, most spiritual guy. And he says, Nicodemus, you don't even understand when I tell you about natural things. How in the world are you going to get the supernatural things? This is why Jesus used parables all the time. Because if he would just tell us, how many times have we said that to the Lord? Lord, just tell me what to do. (laughs) Don't ask that. <laughs> Listen to me. Let me show you the scar. <laughs> Don't ask that. Let him let him father you in the way that he needs to father you. You just aren't ready. Sometimes what you think you're ready for. He used to irritate me. I think it's in John uh, 16 that Jesus said to the disciples. He said, I have yet many more things to say unto you, but you are not yet ready. And I'd be like, yeah, them disciples. But dang you! Why didn't you get ready so I could hear what He wanted to say to you? Anybody like that? I'm like, why why is it because Peter's dense? I don't get to hear what you wanted to say. Thanks a lot, Peter. (laughs) But the reality is, how many times the Lord comes to me, and I'm like, Lord, can you... Can you show me or give me wisdom or give me understanding about this? He's like, You don't want to know. Well, I think I do. Well, I don't think you do.
2: <laughs>
1: Just focus on this.
2: But I asked about this.
1: Son, you should probably focus on this. Promise you, this is better. Fine. <laughs> and then I do the thing, I'm obedient to my father. Who's really good at being a father, and then I grow or develop or change or repent, and then I end up over here where the thing that I thought was really important, and I'm already on the victory side of it, and I can look back and I'm like, well, how'd that work? And Father's like, uh huh, uh
2: huh.
1: So those are the players, guys. You're a bride. I don't want to. I don't want to unplug and get off track here. But every man in this room you need to understand what it's like to be the bride. And every woman in this room you need to understand what it's like to be a son. And I don't have time to develop that, but those statements are still true. And he made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants. The word servants is dulios in the Greek and it means bond servant or bond slave. A bond slave is a person who has given themselves to be a slave. Which I know, even just mentioning the word slave just makes everybody go, That's wrong. No. It's wrong to be put into, tyrannized into slavery. It is incredibly humble to offer yourself to be a servant. Which is exactly what Jesus did. If you remember, right at the very end, at the pinnacle of his glory, he stripped himself naked and got down with water and washed his disciples' feet. That's a servant. Jesus has every right to look for folks that will serve him because he served us first. Amen. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. I know that's King James. The word call and the word bidden are the same word. He sent his servants to call those that were called. And I hope you get that. You can be called and not yet called. Is it? Are we, are we okay? I am the called. And I'm waiting for the Father to call me. And then He might call me, and then the call's over, and I'm still the called. And I'm waiting for the next call. But I'm, I'm I'm in the calling. I'm in the group of the called. And I'm listening for the call. And so he sent his servants to call the ones that were called. The reason I, I'm highlighting this is because a little bit later on this is going to make a ton more sense when we get to one of these fought about all the time verses. Again, he sent forth his... Servants saying, Tell them which are bidden... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me back up. And and he sent... Verse 3. And he sent forth his servants and, to call them that were called to the wedding. It's actually to the wedding feast. Not the wedding, but the wedding feast, and I'll show you that in a minute. And they would not come. This is important that we need to understand in the Scriptures. God has no... Uh, he 's got He has no grid for cannot, which is how we tend to look at everything i can 't do that okay God has no grid for cannot all he has grid for is will or will not because if you will to he can do all things through you all things are possible with him. God has no grid for it cannot it 's God. <laughs> If you're God, you have no grid for cannot. You have a ton of grid for will or will not. There's things that God will do, and there's things that God will not do. But there's nothing that God cannot do. And you are created in His image. Every time you say cannot, you have exalted Satan. Because that's part of the fallen nature. There is no cannot in a child of God. There's will not, but there's no cannot. And Jesus highlighted this. And he sent forth the servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. So they would not come when they were called. Let me remind you, they were the cult. Yes or no? Those that were bidden, those that were called, He sent the servants to call the called. And so the servants went out, and they called the called. And the called said, We can't. Because our wills are not in that calling. But they were the called. But they wouldn't answer the call. (laughs) Please get a copy of this message later and chew on some of these things that you're like, wait a minute. And they would not come. And again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden are called. Tell the ones that are called. <laughs> Behold, I have prepared. Now he's encouraging them and exhorting them and giving them depth. Because some people are like, well, what does God want me to do? Well, He wants me to do this. Well, why? <laughs> and and God will actually do that. Okay, I, I get it. You, you need to you need to know a little more. Uh, you know, and God's okay with that. God's okay with your questions. He's not offended. He's got broad shoulders. He's completely secure in who He is and what He needs to do. He's <laughs> yeah. he knows you, <laughs> yeah. and so you're like, hey. What's this all about? He's like, hey, listen, I got everything ready. I'm not calling you to like the, to run the gauntlet and get beat up, okay? I'm calling you because I've prepared the dinner. Dinner's ready. Not only dinner, but the dinner. Like the dinner of all dinners. Let me tell you something. I don't know where where your favorite restaurant is, but I can assure you, if God makes the meal, it's a smidge better. (laughs) And he even highlights this by saying, My oxen got the king's oxen and the king's fatlings. He's saying, like, I took the best of what I have. And I made this meal. And this is the meal of all meals because this is the meal of my son with his bride. If there's anything that I need you to show up for, this is the thing. Of all things, this is the thing. And even explains it, which I think is radical. Because he doesn't have to. He can just say, hey, you're the cult. (laughs) But God's not that way. That's what's unique. There's a ton of leadership that we can get from the epistles and through Jesus. Those of you that are leaders or business owners or or managers, you can get a ton of wisdom about leadership through the Scriptures by looking how this works. When Paul wrote to Philemon, he had the right. He even said it in there. I had the right as the apostle to tell you what to do. But I won't. I would rather entreat you in love. He had the right to pull title. Do You see my name tag? You better. <laughs> the lowest form of authority is that kind of authority. The, the lowest form of authority I could ever exercise in my home is walk up to Kay and say, I'm the man, I'm the spiritual leader of this home. You better do this, woman. You know how many guys I know that are like that? And then there's gals that think that because the guy ain't doing that, that they need to. Well, let me tell you, honey, since you ain't leading the house, I'm going to lead the house. Let me tell you what you're going to do. Oh, well, congratulations. Since the devil couldn't get in husband. But, verse 5. They made a lot of it. They made light of it. I want you to think about this. They made light of it. They didn't say that God didn't say it. They didn't say that the that the uh, servants were wrong or stupid heads or. Irritated with them, or they had the they had the wrong name badge on, or something. There was none of that. They just made light of it. It's like not that important. Uh, the word here is a me a milio or something like that, and it literally just means to be careless, just kind of flippant. Man, I cannot tell you how many people's lives that I know, good Christians, good moral folks, kind, gentle people, that this is destroying their lives. Because they're just kind of flipping them up the things of God. I can't, can, I mean, it's just church. You know how many good Christians don't go to church? You can be a good Christian and not go to church. You're right. You can be a good Christian and not tithe. You can be a good Christian and not necessarily have to love your neighbor, not even love your spouse. It's just not, nothing's really that important. Right? Because Jesus paid for everything. And as long as you did the thing, you prayed the prayer, nothing else is really that important. It's not like the kingdom is important. You know, I'll mingle in a little kingdom in my life every once in a while just to make sure that I get my star on the chart. God could be watching. You know, when He's watching, I want to make sure i got got a good show on. Huh? You know, I'll cuss if nobody's listening. If it's just me in the garage getting mad at the car, throwing a tool. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. It's not that important. And I've said this to you. God's there. Well, yeah, I know, but. you You do realize of all the people, if you were going to get into the impress someone game of all the folks that you would want to impress, you do realize like God won other mechanics at the shop number four thousand seven hundred and forty four but we're we're very humanistic in our mind thinking. I, I had the, somebody call me the other day, uh, somebody that I, uh, that I do some political things with. And they said, and I know what they were hinting at. They said, if there was one person that you could have dinner with, who would you have dinner with? And I'm like, spirit or human?
2: <laughs>
1: and they're like, stop it, pastor.
2: <laughs>
1: I said, okay, my answer is K. And they were like... It, you can have dinner with her anytime. I'm like, well, A, you don't really know our lifestyle. No, I can't. And B, what does that matter? Because K doesn't get old to me. I don't take her for granted. There's no familiarity breeds contempt... The more familiar I come, of, I become with Kay, the more I love her.
2: Amen.
1: The more time I spend with Mom, the more I see just the beauty, the uniqueness of who she is. I don't spend more time with her and be like, man, I just can't wait to not spend time with her. There are people that, they're, they're that real and authentic and genuine that the more time you spend with them, the more you love them, the more value you have for them. This is why it, i don 't get it i don 't have a grid for folks that are around the kingdom and around the king, and they 're just like, ah, blah blah, blah church like what am what am I missing because i can 't wait to get here i can 't wait to be with you this is this is this close to heaven for me. this group of people doing whatever, and i don 't care what whatever we can go to the rugged barn. And kick it in the barn. We can go to baptism. We can do baptism. We can go have lunch at the bar. We can go, I don't care. We can play wiffle ball in the backyard. We can go in the lower level and scrub the floor together. But we're together and we're doing it. We're doing it for our king. And it's. Amen. And a lot of folks are just like, come on, man. Church people. And you don't know these people. That's right. If you knew these people, you'd never say anything about church people again. Amen. Amen. And I know a bunch of these folks, and I, you know, and when I stand up here and I minister and I scan the the crowd, I'm like, man, I, I want to spend a day with with John. I want to spend a day with Jess. I want to spend a day with Rocky. And I want to spend a day with, and we're gonna spend a day <laughs> with Stephen Carroll and. Carol. and and I'm and I spend a day with the haggies. Hey Haggies, they listen every Sunday. And and to hang out with the Hardesties and hang out with, with Tim and Tamara and hang out. just just spend a day with everybody every day. Well that don't sound very kingdom. What are you doing? Well if everybody did that, who would work? <laughs> We can't just do that. You can't just do the kingdom, preacher. This stuff only works for preachers. This don't work for us regular stiffs. I know. God wrote the Bible for preachers. But preachers are the only ones that get healed. Preachers are the only ones that get saved. I don't even know why you guys are here. You can't even get to
2: heaven. All
1: this stuff is just for the preachers. They made light of it. Now, I want you to get this. They didn't say no. Like, that's stupid. You're wrong. <laughs> you know, we're grown up enough, at least this room, you're grown up enough like when God says, hey, will you? I mean, don't go, no, you're wrong.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, you know, our answer is, well, uh, um, how about next week? Right. Uh, I'll do it. I, I I get it. It's important. You, you're you're asking me. I, Amen. Your Lord. I'll do it. When I get the money, I'll tithe. When I feel like the symptoms are going away, I'll believe I'm healed. That that'll do it. When I, when I feel like the depression and the oppression is no longer there every day, then I'll, then I'll start to have the joy of the Lord, and then I'll start to be happy. When other people treat me well, then I'll start to be kind and merciful and gracious. See, we don't say no. We, don't, we just make light of it. We don't put the gravity and the value on it. I want you to think from God's perspective, and I remember it's a parable, but think about the work that went into the king doing what had to happen here. And all the called had to do was answer the call. Nowhere in here does it say, and make sure you bring your money order for $10,000. Right? You're, you're going to be leaving your family forever. I'm calling you to a big sacrifice. The funny thing is, is that some people would actually do the bigger things more often than the little things. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've talked to missionaries before that are like, you know, I walked away from everything. I walked away from my job. I walked away from... And they went on the mission field. And I've talked to them and they were they're super, super struggling because they were willing to do the big thing and they're not willing to do the little things every day that gives them... The joy of the Lord and the peace of God and the success that he has for them. And so I think some of us, you know, I've struggled with this. My name is Stephen, named after Stephen in the New Testament, who was the first martyr for the Lord. And so I've always had this awareness of martyrdom. And martyrdom is not a negative thing. Martyrdom is actually a very positive thing. It means to be a witness. It means you're so much of a witness that you're actually dead to yourself, which is a beautiful thing. And I've thought about this because, you know, I've read very challenging books like when I was a kid, like Fox's Book of Martyrs and stuff like that. And, I, and, I, and there's some terrible things that are going on, on this planet. And I've thought, like, you know, if that person, if somebody walked up to that person with a gun to their head and said, Deny Christ or I'll blow your brains out. You know, probably everybody in this room wouldn't deny Christ in that situation but the television show that has the adultery and just a little bit of nudity and just some cuss words you know letting your kids just have 2 hours on the device and doing the things and and reading just a little bit of the wrong thing and an extra hour on social media and And getting a little bit worked up over the thing. Like, that's not a big deal. But I would never deny Christ with a gun to my head. Yeah, but you deny Christ in the little things. I didn't think you Mm -hmm. all
2: would amen that. Got me
1: a good little church up in here. (laughs) They made light of it. I'm going to show you this word in a minute in a different context. They made light of it and went... Their way. I cannot tell you how many times I've called someone as a pastor. Which, believe it or not, the, the Lord actually has given me something. I'm scripturally, I'm a gift to you. <laughs> I know. I think like six of those amens are from people like. Quick, amen
2: him. <laughs>
1: Make him feel better, amen. But I, I've come to, I've come to understand this that that the Lord, that I laid down my life to be a gift to people, and, and whether you ever respect that or honor that or value that, it, that's that's that doesn't determine my. I've 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 had this revelation that I I am I am, I am, from heaven a gift to the people. That will receive me. And I'm not saying that because I want anybody... I hope you're hearing me. I've, I've understood that because it, 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 it gives me an understanding of the value that I have and the things that I'm called to accomplish here. And so I understand that I'm a gift to people. And because of it, because I have this revelation of it, I see how people treat God's gift. And I'm not just using this as me. And if anybody treats me any differently because you heard me say that, you are a hypocrite. <laughs> They're the gifts of God. Like we look at them like, oh yeah, God gave us salvation. Thanks for that. You, do you know what it cost to save you? You belong to Satan legally. Jesus had to die and go to hell. And suffer. I don't know if you understand this, but Jesus was God. Perfectly unified. Omnipotent. Omnipresent. And he became a baby that pooped himself. And will remain for all of eternity human. He laid down a facet of His divinity forever. Forever. It wasn't just like a momentary sacrifice. It wasn't just you like, well, I don't really have a thousand dollars to give, but I'm going to do it this one time. Jesus gave it forever. He will forever be human. He gave up omnipresence. There are things that He laid down for you to rescue you, to save you, me. And I didn't deserve none of it. And trust me, the value of me and the value versus the value of Him, I still don't get it. Amen. And He sacrificed that forever. Forever in heaven. Jesus has scars on His back for your healing forever in heaven his hands are pierced his feet are pierced forever this is one of the things that gets me when i when i talk to people I'm like hey the lord wills for you to be healed the lord wants to heal you you know by his stripes you are healed ah you know that healing stuff like he has scars on his back forever for you to have that healing and you're like whatever that healing stuff Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Scars on Jesus' back is stuff. Prosperity. Do you know what he, Do you know what He laid down to purchase prosperity? And you know how quick the body of Christ is to attack somebody talking about prosperity? Do you know what Jesus did to become completely and totally broke? Poverty? He died on the cross naked. Naked. With nothing. He watched as they took His robe and gambled for it. His last vestment of anything that He would have owned. He gave his mother away in one of his dying breaths. So he didn't even have a heritage. He couldn't even get a natural inheritance. He gave everything away. Complete poverty. So that you could stand on his finished work for prosperity. And people say that prosperity thing. 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 Naked, destitute, broken Jesus on the cross is a thing. Made light of it. It's just prosperity. It's not as important as me being saved. What does saved mean, (laughs) Sozo? And they went their way. Their way. They went their way i got things to do, places to go, people to see. And they went their way. One to his farm. It it doesn't say one of them went to his brothel. Right? It didn't say one of them went to his casino. One of them went to his liquor store. One of them went to his pot dispensary. One of them went to his farm. Can I get an amen? Farming's important in society. Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Farming's important. All of you that are struggling with carbs, you can blame a farmer. Farming. Farming's important. Farming's good. What were Adam and Eve in the garden before Sam? Think about that. So it's not, the dude didn't go and say, Well, I'm, I'm not going to do what God asked me to do. I'm going to go beat up a kid. No, he went, i got to go farm. And in, in this time, in this day, you didn't, there was no Walmart. I know this is shocking to some folks. <laughs> but if you were going to have bread, you were making bread. And by making bread, I mean you literally owned almost everybody in this this time frame, their family owned somewhere around 12 acres that they farmed and it was productive for their family. Amen. You didn't farm the 12 acres. You didn't have no bread. Everybody was a farmer or in a farming family. So it's, they didn't go do, they're like, hey, Jesus, I'll, I'll get right to that whole wedding dinner thing. I've got to go get the crops in. I want you to get this. I can't tell you how many times someone is like, hey, pastor, I'd really like to do that for you. But I've got to do the thing. And it's an important thing. And I'm not saying this to anybody. I, I almost hesitate to say these things because I, someone will take this the wrong way. I'm not saying this in that regards. But I'm just saying, like, I, I wonder how many of us literally had God's perp- perspective on something, how much that would change our value system about what we think is important and where we need, think we need to go and what we think we need to be doing. Amen. He went to his farm. And then the, the next one said, to his merchandise. And the word merchandise is related to economics. He was just going to do his job, his business, his trade. This was like a blacksmith going in hammer and hammering iron. What I'm pointing out is, none of this is evil, sinful, wicked stuff. They went did good things. They were productive for society. These weren't like loser... Uh, homeless hobos on (laughs) meth. These were good people. They were farmers and merchants and, and fishers. I mean, they were just like, hey, I'm just gonna go do the thing and I'll, you know, I'll get, I'll get to that. How long's the dinner gonna go for? Can I catch the last hour? What time's church start, Pastor? Well, you guys sing that one chorus way too often. Can I just come? What time is worship over? I, I know you're laughing. How do people call me. I, I don't tell them. You know, if you call me, hey, if you call me and you ask me what time church starts, I say I get here somewhere around 5. Well, what time does church start? For you or for me? Because I could hear somewhere around pot. And it started for me. Me and Jesus are having church in there. And then we have church with the coffee downstairs. I, I know. You can't have coffee and Jesus at the same time. <laughs> and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And when the king heard thereof, he was Rolf. The word Rolf means... Pretty darn mad. That's old King James for spitting mad. And he sent forth his armies. <laughs> and he sent forth his armies. <laughs> Man, can't, talk about overkill. God, I mean, dear Lord, all they said was they're going to farm. Calm down a little, Father. I know, God always way overreacts on everything. He's like prepubescent. They're not up here so I can say it. And He sent forth His armies and destroyed those... God, you're throwing around the adjectives way, way too broad strokey, brushy thing. Like, he just called people that went farming murderers. No, Pastor, he's talking about the other ones. He, do you, I don't know if you, I want you to read this parable later in your own time. He didn't differentiate between the folks that just said, hey, I can't do that right now, I'll get back to you. And the people that actually took his servants and murdered them, God didn't differentiate. Those folks that said, "Hey, I just I'm kind of busy at the moment," and the folks that actually took his servants and killed them, those were the same. They got the same result. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we we do this. This gray thing, this middle ground thing. And we think that's how God is. It's not that way. God's like, hey, this is what needs to happen. Anything that's not this is that. And we say, yeah, but I'm not that, that much that. God is like, that is that. And he destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. (laughs) Then said he, and there's a lot more in here. I ain't got time to go through the depths of it. And he said, uh, then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Uh, Did you, you hear that? They weren't worthy. And these are the kind of statements that people say, Well, see, God says I'm not worthy. No, if you weren't worthy, you wouldn't have been called. Due to the fact that you were called, God already called you worthy. So who didn't call them worthy? You. You. The only one that calls you unworthy is you and Satan. God's already called you worthy. By definition of the call, you're worthy. They were made worthy. God did everything He did to make them worthy. You know what they said? We're not going to do that. And they made themselves unworthy. Man, this is so important. Which means the only one that can devalue me is me. You can't even do it. Not even you. And I know that offends a bunch of people because they think that what they're going to do, they're going to give me the silent treatment and make sure that I know that they're mad and I'm unworthy. It don't work. Because God's called me worthy. Once God calls me worthy, your opinion, I mean, I'm not saying it's not in there, but it's pretty much not in there.
2: Because
1: God says He loves me. God died for me. God laid down divinity. Jesus laid down divinity so He could get me. And I know you're thinking, you? I know, me. But He did it, so therefore, the only way for me to calculate the value is based upon what He did. So it doesn't matter what you think. And if you have that attitude, you understand that everything will change in your life. When you see your value based upon the way that He values you, you are going to have this, this change as to how affected you are by people in your life that are literally sent there by the enemy to devalue you, and it works. Yeah, It works. Your boss tells you that you're a terrible employee, and then you just fall apart like a $2 suitcase. And you call me, and you want me to encourage you. I'll tell you he's right. You're a terrible employee. You're a way better son. Just be a son. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I ain't got time for that. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you find, bid to the marriage. He just qualified the world. And gave them the same thing that the called had. So those servants went out of the highways and gathered together all as many as they found. Both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Both bad and good. Well, I'm too bad to be called. Read the parable. Well, it means badder than me. Whatever. If you want to live in your self-pity and shame, that's I mean, I can't. All I got is the Bible. The Bible said that he called the bad and the good. You're either good or you're bad. Either way, you get called. All you got to do is show up. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. Just so you know, in their time frame, when you got invited to a wedding, it with the invite came the gown. When you got invited, they gave you the wedding clothes. That was part of the invitation. You didn't have to go work extra jobs and do it. Oh, I got invited to the king's wedding. I got to wear a suit that I don't own. No. Here's the invite, and here's everything you need. Here's the jewelry to wear. Here's the gown. It's a perfect gown. It's perfectly white. It's already been done for you. It's already finished. It's already finished. It's already finished. All you got to do is put it on. And they found one guy, one guest, which had not on. In other words, he didn't put the gift on. I don't know what he was thinking, because I've been pastoring for a long time. And I know one of the things that people think is, well, I don't want to wreck it. I gave it to you to wear it. Well, I don't want to. What if I get it dirty? Then you get it dirty. It was given to you to use. Well, I don't know if I should believe for healing. Or I don't know if I should believe for prosper. Well, okay, okay, okay. Let's say you never get healed and you never get prospered. Still believe for it. Still put it on. Still wear it. I mean, it was given to you for free. Let's say it never works for you. Okay, whatever. I would rather go to heaven trying to live my life by faith based upon the finished work of the cross and get up there and say, Father! I'm the worst, suckiest Christian ever. And he's going to say, yeah, but you're here. Come on in. And I'm going to be standing right next to the guy that said, man, I lived healed for 147 years and I had $10 million in my wallet. And I'm like, well, you know, we're both in the same place. Good for you. You should see how much patience my wife has. And he said unto him, Friend, how friend, he didn't say, You jerk head, how dare you meanie. <laughs> how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. You know, when you are presented with the holiness and the justness of God, all of your arguments fade away. They just all fade away. You're gonna argue with God? He was speechless. Because he, all he had to do was put on the gift. He just used the gift. It was free. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called and few are chosen. The word chosen means elected. Many are called, and few are elected. What's the difference between being called and elected? You showed up. People have used this verse to disqualify people for thousands of years, and it is shocking. If He called you, He wants you on the ballot. (laughs) But people don't qualify themselves. So remember, they made light of the calling. I'm just going to read these verses and we'll be done. This is in Hebrews chapter four, uh, chapter two, Hebrews two. Therefore, we ought to, verse one, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Let them slip. Doesn't say rebuke them, total, be a total reprobate, you know, complete rebellion, because that's what we think. We think those are the people. Now, I'll tell you, the most dangerous person in the body of Christ is a good person. The most dangerous person is a good person. Because they're not hot or not cold, they're just good. Most dangerous person. Jesus said, that's the person that turns his stomach and makes him vomit. I did this on Wednesday at Grace Group. Do you know what Satan's sin was that turned him from Lucifer to Satan? Go read Isaiah uh, chapter 14. Satan's sin that turned him from Lucifer to Satan was he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be godly. want to be godly. But he wanted to do it his way. Do you know how many Christians are that way? They want to be godly people. They want to be good people, but they want to do it their way. They're not going to do it this Bible way. I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> Shocking. Because we, we always thought the devil, like, he just wanted to be like the the murderer and the and the and the child absconder, and the stealer, and the liar, and the... No, he wanted to be like God, he just wanted to do it his way. For if the word spoken by angels, and that word is messengers, was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, it means a payment, a payment of reward, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Guess what the word neglect is? Make light of. Make light of. Such a great salvation. If the salvation experience you're having isn't
2: great,
1: then it's likely that you're making light of some of the aspects. And remember, salvation is soteria which comes from Sozo that we just preached on last week. If you're making light of, if you don't have shaking value for the king and the kingdom, then you're letting these things slip. (sighs) I have so much more to say. But I'm done. All right. I'm going to bless you. So please rise.
0: Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His precious, life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life.
1: Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances, and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have we love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon, goodbye beloved